What a wonderful day to, to worship the Lord, and a wonderful way to worship the Lord together. Uh, if, if you're not aware, here at First Baptist Walnut Ridge, we want to follow Jesus, and we want to help other people follow Jesus. The Lord Jesus gave us what is known as both the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. He said we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. That we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. He challenged the scribe who asked him what the greatest commandment was to go and actually put the love of God and the love of other people to practice by serving both God and other people. And before Jesus ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead, he told his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And so we sum up, our church sums up the great commandment, the great commission with these four simple phrases, eight words all together. It's our mission statement as a church. We want to worship God, love people, serve both, and make disciples. And I shared with you a, a little bit about Chad's story of coming to faith in Christ this week and how the first fellowship meal and Jade inviting her parents to come really played a role in him coming to faith in Jesus. If you, if you missed the first part of the service because you slept in a little late this morning, go back later and watch Chad's baptism on, on the Facebook feed. It, it's a blessing. It'll bless your heart. I want to share with you a few other little components of his story because they're just too neat to not share with you. We talk about loving people. And we love people when we get around other people. Right after our worship service on, first, uh, on Sunday mornings, we have something called First Group Bible Study. You call it Sunday school if you want to. I don't really care what you call it. I just want you to go and be a part of a group where you can reach other people and where you can spend time in God's Word, where somebody's going to be teaching you God's Word. You can learn from others as you're discussing God's Word together and so that you can continue ministering to each other praying for one another and ministering with each other to others in the church and community throughout the week. That's the big component of loving people, practically speaking, here at First Baptist. Every First Baptist member and every First Baptist guest needs a first group. If you don't have one, come see me after the worship service. I'll point you in the right direction. You can become a part of one. Uh, Chad and Sarah have been coming to uh, Matt Rose and Drew Meyer's first group for Bible study for a while. Jamie Wilson and the, the Longs launched a new one. They've been going in there. That's been a huge part of them coming to faith in Christ and continuing to grow in the Lord. People have been loving them. That's a huge deal. Um, you might not know this, but uh, we always are in need of some volunteers to help with our Awana ministry to children on Wednesday nights, and Sarah had agreed to help Monica along with some uh, behind-the-scenes work at, at Awana. Uh, Monty got to lead her to faith in Christ on a Wednesday night at Awana. It's part of serving both. You serve both God and other people by finding at least one way to serve the Lord and others through the ministries of First Baptist Walnut Ridge. 
Church members, I encourage you, find at least one way in this church to serve the Lord and other people. There's no telling what he'll do in and through your life if he'll do that. And you're going to have to make the effort. We can announce the opportunities to you, but you're just going to have to step out in faith and do something eventually. All right? And don't just do something for the sake of doing something. Do what God leads you and calls you to do. What he's gifted you to do. How he directs you when you pray to it. Another uh, component of our church's mission is to make disciples. I've, I've challenged all of you, and I'll keep challenging you. Find at least one person that you can be praying for to come to faith in Christ. Find at least one person that you can share the gospel with, that you can invite to a ministry event or a, a church activity so that they can hear the gospel that way. Share your testimony with them so they can come to faith in Christ. There's been several of you that have actually taken me up on that uh, challenge. And one of those folks is Miss Kristen West. She's sitting right there. You care to wave your hand, Kristen? You told me this earlier this week, so I'm sharing it with everybody. Uh, Kristen is, is, uh, is Alan's wife. Alan's the chair of our deacons. Uh, Kristen didn't just pick one person to pray for. She picked three. Did you know that one of those people that she was praying for, Chad, you don't even know this until right now, was Chad Olive to come to know Jesus? Folks, I'm telling you, Everything that God directs us to do, we need to do wholeheartedly. We need to worship Him. We need to love other people. We need to serve both and make disciples. And now I want to come back to that very beginning. Those two words, that first phrase, worship God. That's what we're doing here together this morning. On Sunday mornings, we gather as believers in the crucified Savior and the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, for the express purpose of worshiping Him. Jesus Himself told us in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Again, at First Baptist Walnut Ridge, we sum that up by saying, worship God, love people, serve both, and make disciples. When we think about loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we sum that up with the phrase, worship God. We worship Him each Sunday morning by praying with all of our hearts to Him. I think I've been beating that drum for the last month, that we need to be praying with all of our hearts to the Lord. We also engage in His Word with all of our minds. That is, we listen to what He has to say to us as we open up the Bible. We also give our offerings and even ourselves during the invitation response time. We're worshiping the Lord with all of our strength when we do that. When you put something in the offering plate or when you lay yourself down here at the altar, you are offering yourself in worship to God. You are giving of your strength back to Him. And what I want to focus on with you today is how we worship God with all of our soul. And we do that by singing. By singing His praise. We are to sing with all of our souls. If we truly love the Lord, it's just going to come out. You guys remember Bryce's little coffee illustration? If you love the Lord... 
in your soul is going to come out of your mouth. It's just, it's going to happen. If somebody bumps into you, they ought to bump out praises, not curses. If somebody runs into you in your life, they ought to be intersected with God's grace coming off of your lips. You declaring His praise. Did you pay attention to little Caroline Meyer's prayer down here? Fill our cups with joy and love and peace. I think in her subconscious, she gets that from a song. I don't know if you guys have heard Andrew Rip. Fill my cup, Lord. Run it over. Give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. You know why she prayed that? Because it's in her heart. Folks, our lives ought to be filled with love for the Lord. And it just ought to naturally flow out of our mouths. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to open it up to Psalm chapter 150 as we think about the idea of singing with all of our souls in worship to God. Psalm chapter 150. The word psalms, the title of this book, simply means songs. This is an entire book of the Bible that's devoted to the prayers and praises of God's people, largely through singing. If you don't know where Psalms is, you can almost just open it up to the very middle because Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. And it has more chapters than any other book in the Bible. It helps us to remember that God desires to hear us, to hear His people praise Him. The last of these songs is a song of praise to God in Psalm 150. And a good title of it for it is just one simple word, hallelujah. That's the title of my message this morning. That word hallelujah simply means praise the Lord. And as we read this chapter together, hopefully that title will be evident to you. Let's look at these six verses together. Psalm chapter 150. The Bible says, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The main idea of this message this morning is that we are to worship God by singing His praise with all of our souls. That's not just what I want you to do, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to sing His praise with all of your soul. There is something special that happens when God's people sing in worship to holy God in heaven. 
It's something that nothing else we do can manufacture. Singing to the Lord ties our knowledge of God and our love for God together. It aids us in both expressing our emotions and teaching truth. The living creatures, the angels, and the elders in heaven are always praising God in song. And God longs for us to praise Him here on earth too. So let's think about and apply this principle today. To worship God by singing His praise with all of our souls. First, I want you to think with me about this idea of praise itself. We're commanded to praise the Lord here. It's a command. It occurs over and over again in these verses. So what does it mean to praise? Uh, The dictionary gives two definitions. The word praise means to express enthusiastically approval or admiration. To express enthusiastically approval or admiration. And certainly we do approve of the one true God. He's the one worthy of worship. When we praise Him, we're declaring that. We admire Him as the great God, the creator of the universe. We adore Him. Praise also means to express respect and gratitude. We are coming before God with joy. But we are coming before God on holy ground because He's a holy God. We express gratitude, thankfulness for the things that He has given to us. Rejoicing over His provision. That's what the word praise means. And we're told what to do with praise in Psalm 150. We're told who to praise, first of all, at the beginning of verse 1. That opening phrase says, praise the Lord. Very good. It doesn't say praise the Arkansas Razorbacks. They're not worthy of praise a lot of times, right? It doesn't say praise the Texas Rangers. Chad's not here this morning, is he? They won. Maybe they'll make it to the World Series. But it doesn't say praise a sports team. It doesn't say praise yourself or praise other people. Pride and comparison are sinful. They're not true worship. Don't think so highly of yourself. Don't compare yourself to others and put them on a pedestal. True worship Real praise is directed to the Lord. Notice in your Bibles that that word Lord occurs in all capital letters. This is because it's the name of God. It's pronounced by many as Yahweh. It was translated by the Germans and by early English Bible translators as Jehovah. It's the name for God. The Hebrews had such admiration and respect, such fear for God, that when they came to His name, they would not dare pronounce the name Yahweh. Instead, they would say the word Adonai, which means Lord. 
And so when it comes to our English Bible translations, whenever the name of God occurs in the Old Testament, instead of printing His name, some English translations will do that, but many will print in all capital letters the word LORD. So every time you're reading the Old Testament, you see the word LORD in all capital letters. That's the divine name of the one true God. Yahweh. I am who I am. As He first revealed Himself to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. That is who we are to praise. Notice it doesn't say praise the Lord's like there are many. Or it doesn't say praise the Lord not in all capital letters to kind of give people the idea that whoever your Lord is, you should praise Him. The idea here is that there is only one who is worthy of worship. And that is the Lord God Himself. He is the one that we are to declare His praises. He is the only one truly worthy of our worship. You remember back in Revelation chapter 5 that we opened up the worship service with this morning. There was no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth who was found worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And John, the apostle who had this vision, began to weep until one of the elders of heaven said, Don't cry. Behold, the lion of Judah, the root of David, he is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals. For by His blood, He's redeemed people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. Only the Lord is worthy of praise. And that is who we are to praise. You know, I think we might get it backwards sometimes in the Christian life, don't we? I mean, think about it. Where are you guys looking right now? Where are you guys looking? Not a trick question. Looking up here at me, looking up here on the stage, right? I'm going to turn around and join you for just a minute. I was told in drama class in high school that if you're talking from a stage, you should never turn your back on an audience. But here's the problem, folks. You are not the audience for praise and worship. Do you know that? People on this stage don't perform to entertain you. So let's get it right. This is what we ought to think of. You know, I know that choir loft was filled with people this morning. Wasn't that cool to see? But can I tell you something? Even as wonderful as it was to see a bunch of people up here in this choir loft, you are the choir. All of you. And we have an audience of one in heaven. Did you know that when we sing on Sunday mornings, it's not just to make you feel good? When we sing on Sunday mornings, we are singing together. And yes, it's true. Some people do sing better than others. But I can promise you this. The Lord longs to hear every single one of your voices lifted in praise to Him. That's why He gave you a voice to declare His glory. To pronounce that He is worthy of praise. We are to praise Him. We need to stop thinking 
that people on this stage are up here for you to look at. And we need to start thinking that there is a God in heaven whom we are to all look at because He's the one worthy of worship. Amen? We're to praise the Lord. Not only do I want you to see who we are to praise, I also want you to see where we are to praise the Lord. At the end of verse 1, it says, Praise God in His sanctuary. That word sanctuary means a place that is set aside as holy. In the Old Testament, there was a place that was set aside for the presence of God to dwell. First, it was His tabernacle. Later on, it became the permanent structure, the temple that was built in Jerusalem. People would come and bring sacrifices and praise the Lord because the glory of God was said to dwell there in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Praise God in the sanctuary. David would end up creating a choir of people to sing God's praises as sacrifices were being brought into the later location of what would be the temple that his son Solomon built. We're to praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Did you catch that word? We use the word sanctuary nowadays too. We use it specifically to refer to rooms like this. And it, you know, if you think about it, there's, there's nothing really holy about the components that make up this room themselves. You know, it's, it's not just the carpet or the wood or the walls or the lights or the stained glass or the pews or the sound system or the pulpit. That's not what makes this place a sanctuary. What makes this place a sanctuary is that we set it aside as a location for us to gather together and to sing God's praise. But we also need to think of sanctuary and understand sanctuary as the place where God's presence dwells in our individual lives as well. Though we might call this building a sanctuary and set it aside as a place where we worship the Lord together on Sunday mornings, did you know that each and every one of your hearts is and ought to be a sanctuary to the Lord God? A temple to the Lord God? And I'm not making up this idea. Paul talks about it over in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that you were bought with a price? That the Holy Spirit of God lives in you? That you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? Therefore, you're to worship God from your heart. Our hearts are places set aside for the worship of God. And here's reality. If your heart is not a place, if your soul is not a place that is set aside to worship the Lord throughout the week, when you come in here Sunday morning, don't expect something magical to happen. Because here's the truth. Our worship as a body of believers on Sunday mornings is really an overflow and an outflow of our worship from our soul throughout the week. It is. And it's wonderful to come in here and sing God's praises together. But there's sometimes that we don't hear a whole lot of singing and praising. 
And it's because there's not a whole lot of praising God going on in our hearts throughout the week. We are to praise God here in this building, but we are to praise God in our lives every day, everywhere we go. He's to be praised everywhere. Verse 1 goes on to say, praise Him in His mighty firmament. That word firmament simply means the expanse of the heaven. Praise Him in the heavens. God is the creator of this world. There is not a place that God is not to be worshipped. Everywhere. The stars, the sun, the moon declare His glory. Psalm chapter 19 says, all of creation is to praise the Creator. There is nowhere where God is not to be praised. Who to praise? It's the Lord. Where to praise? In His sanctuary. In our souls. Everywhere that we go. Why are we to praise? We see this in verse 2. We are to praise Him for His mighty acts and we are to praise Him according to His excellent greatness. His mighty acts refers to what He does. His excellent greatness refers to who He is. We are to praise God for the way that He provides and meets our needs. We are to praise God for sending His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We are to praise God for the way that He heals. We are to praise God for the way that He comforts. We are to praise God for the things that He gives to us. But we are also to praise God simply for who He is. He is a good God. His character is loving. His character is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is just. He's merciful. He is truth. We are to praise Him for who He is and for what He does. Think about that. Many times the reason that we don't praise is because we don't acknowledge what God has done for us or who God truly is. If you'll stop and count your blessings, you'll praise the Lord. If you'll stop and think about who God is, you'll praise the Lord. We are to praise Him for His mighty acts and His excellent greatness. I also want you to notice how we are to praise. Who to praise. That's the Lord. Where to praise. Everywhere. Why to praise. Because of what He's done and who He is. How to praise. Look at verses 3 through 5. There are at least seven different types of instruments mentioned in these verses. With all of them, God is to be praised. All of them. Did you see it? The trumpet, the lute, the harp, the timbrel, stringed instruments and flutes, cymbals. Edith even distinguishes between crashes and hi-hats. Isn't that cool? If you're not a drummer, you don't get that. It's okay. With instruments, the Lord is to be praised. He's to be worshipped. You know, there's some people that get the weird idea for some reason that you, you can't play an instrument to worship the Lord. 
Folks, the only reason we can play an instrument is because the Lord gives us natural talents and abilities and allows us the strength to develop skills through practice. How can you not play an instrument and worship the Lord? If you're not playing an instrument to worship the Lord, there's no point in playing it in the first place. We're told to worship the Lord. All different types of instruments, right? You know, some people still have the funny idea, too, that the only instruments we can use to praise and worship the Lord are the piano and the organ. I mean, it's true. Some people have that idea. I mean, I'm thankful. We've got a wonderful piano. We've got a wonderful organ. We've got a wonderful pianist and a wonderful organist. We've got lots of people that can play the piano and the organ. Debbie and Diane do that in worship to the Lord week in and week out here at First Baptist. And when they play, they play to bring God honor and glory and to help lead us to the throne in worship. And we're thankful for them. Amen? Some of you have the weird idea that the piano and the organ are outdated and you can't worship the Lord with them anymore. That's funny too. That's wrong. I mean, it just it is. There is no music that is outdated that gives glory to God. We might not prefer it or like it because it might not be the music that we like. But listen to me. It's not about what we like in the first place. It's about what pleases and honors the Lord. And what pleases and honors the Lord is God's people using their gifts, talents, and abilities to give Him praise in everything that they play. Everything. So man, if you play the piano or the organ or the guitar or the drums, if you play the sitar or Bob, Dr. Bob, I still hate the harpsichord. It just sounds weird. But if you play it, Play it and praise the Lord. We're to praise Him with everything that we do. And I don't want you to miss this either. Did you guys know that it's not just okay to move in worship, but that it's actually commanded to do that too? Don't skip over it there, Baptists. We're people of the book, right? Verse 4, praise Him with the timbrel and dance. I, just, I can't dance. I mean, it's just the truth. There's some people that can. I, just, I can't. But you know, I really think it ought to be weird for people gathering at First Baptist Church on Sunday mornings to sing God's praises and to declare Him worthy. I think it ought to be weird if people just sit there. I think it ought to be common for people to clap, for people to bow down, for people to raise their hands, for people to, to move a little bit. I mean, we, we are Baptists, right? Some of us just don't have rhythm. But man, when the Lord stirs in your soul, you can't help but praise Him. And it moves you spiritually and it will physically too we're to praise him with everything that we have I also want you to notice when we are to praise I want you to notice when we're to praise 
We see this in verse 6, but we really see it all throughout this chapter. You count it up sometime, but did you know that 13 times we're commanded in this chapter to praise the Lord? 13 times to praise the Lord. And I think it's interesting because if, uh, if you would have been in, in Old Testament Israel back in the days when they had the tabernacle set up in the middle of camp, the tabernacle would have been surrounded by the 12 tribes of Israel. And they're, they're serving the Lord in the midst of the temple would have also been the tribe of Levi offering sacrifices to praise and to worship God. All of those people would have been centered around Him, around His presence. Our worship ought to center around Him. Verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I want you to do a little exercise with me, church. Are you ready? We're going to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. I'm going to count to three and we'll breathe in. And then we'll breathe out. You ready? One, two, three. You know what is absolutely essential to you staying alive? You breathing. We've got to have food to eat. We've got to have water to drink. We need to have clothes to wear and houses to live in. It, you don't want to. I don't want you to either. But you can survive without shelter for a little while. You can survive without clothes for a little while. You can survive without food, without water for a little while. You can't survive long without breathing, can you? You can't. You remember back when God made Adam and formed him out of the dust of the ground in Genesis chapter 2? The Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that is when man became a living being. God put his breath in our lungs so that we can live. Do you know what it is absolutely impossible to do without breathing? Singing. You can't sing if you can't breathe. You can't. Air has to pass through in order for you to sing, to declare God's praise. God put His breath in your lungs so that you could use your breath to praise Him for the life that He gives. Isn't that incredible? One of my favorite praise and worship songs that we sing, we, we've sung it here many times, is the song, Great Are You, Lord. In that song, it says it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Only God's the creator. Only he's the giver of life. And he's the one who's given us breath. And so we ought to use that breath to sing his praise, to worship him. God put breath in your lungs so that you can worship him. How often do you breathe? All the time, right? 
So if, if everything that has breath is to praise the Lord, when ought we to praise God? All the time. All the time. We ought to praise the Lord. Some of you need to start singing in the shower in the mornings before you go to work. Some of you need to sing in the shower after you get off work. Because the Lord knows your thoughts and what you're thinking about a lot of times is not how great He is, but how bad your life is. And if you'll get your eyes off of yourself and onto Him, you'll live a life of praise and worship to God. Some of you need to whistle while you're shopping at the grocery store instead of complaining about how expensive eggs are. They're expensive, aren't they? Man, be thankful that God made chickens to lay eggs and find a friend that's got some chickens and you can have some better eggs than the grocery store sells you, right? And listen to me. With everything that has breath, the Lord is to be praised. We are to praise God all of the time. We ought to sing with all of our souls on Sunday mornings when we gather in here. Some of you need to start doing that. Can I get real with you right now? I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm trying to stab you right in the heart. Some of you just need to sing. I'm not kidding. What we do in here on Sunday mornings when we sing God's praise is a rehearsal for what we're going to do in heaven for eternity. And some of you aren't ready for eternity yet because you had not practiced at all. You say, Jacob, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, you don't have to worry about carrying a tune in a bucket. You just have to have the love of God in your soul. And what's in the well will come up out of the bucket. And it won't matter what anybody else in this room hears come out of your mouth. Because what God will hear come out of your soul is praise to His name. So I want to ask you this morning, Will you praise the Lord? Will you worship the Lord by singing His praise with all of your soul? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation. And I know that the Lord has spoken through His Word today. And maybe in your soul, you, you know, God, I just, I need to stand and worship You. I need to sing Your praises. Maybe that just needs to be your response during this song of invitation. For you to open your mouth and sing. Maybe you're here this morning. And... You don't want to sing to God in worship because the truth is your soul is still dirty with sin because you've never been saved. You have no reason to sing God's praise because Jesus hasn't forgiven you of your sin because you haven't received eternal life in His name. If that's you here this morning, you can know the one who created you, the one who put breath in your lungs. You can live out the purpose for which he designed you. If you'll simply believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth 
and died on the cross for your sins and rose again. If you'll use that breath that He's given to you to call upon His name in saving faith, to name Him the Lord of your life, He'll save you from your sins. He'll give you eternal life. And He will give you a reason to sing His praise this morning and for all of eternity. During this song, this altar be open. If you need to come and kneel in prayer to God, maybe you just need to repent for praising something else other than the Lord or for not praising the Lord as He has commanded and He desires you to do so. Maybe you need to come and speak with me and just say, Jacob, I want to worship the Lord, but I don't know Him. And I want to know Him. I'd love to talk with you about how you can know your Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. As God calls you this morning, would you respond to Him? Father God, we thank You for speaking to our hearts through Your Word today. Lord, may we truly worship You by singing with all of our soul. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.